Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mike Aaronworth, signing on to the Sign Off, a Frameworth podcast for yet another week. And I'm joined in studio by the one, the only, Brian Aaronworth, who cannot help but smirk when I announce his name because he's afraid of what I might say about him. I'm not sure. This is the Sign Off podcast. It's the podcast where we tell you about all the stories you didn't know you wished you knew about the world of sports and sports marketing. And we've spent a couple weeks after talking specifically to some collectors. Uh, we talked to some industry professionals. We had Chris King on, which was a very interesting episode about inside the, the war room. We had Glenn uh, Gretzky and Laurie Halomas on to talk about Great and Great 2, those books that came out, those fantastic books. Uh, and Joey Scaleri in, in in the meantime, you know, a lot of industry episodes that we've had. And as always, when we move too far away from the collectors and collecting, we always get the requests that we want to have uh, some of the heavy hitters in the world of collecting back on. And uh, I don't know that there, there is a, heavy, uh, a hitter heavier than our guest today. This week, we are taking a step back into the strict world of collecting with an interview with someone who has quite a significant voice in one of the most significant groups dedicated to one of the most significant hockey players of all time, uh, the Wayne Gretzky Collecting Group on Facebook and also Wayne Gretzky, a Facebook group. Uh, he's also known, this may surprise some people, as the Gretzky of Gretzky Collectors. His name is Sean Chalk. Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's always interesting to have a uh, a true collector on and someone who is is often looked to by other collectors as someone who is is sort of a trusted source. And it seems that you've certainly gotten your way into that role. We talked a little bit before the 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 podcast about some of your experiences working with different publications, whether it's through TV, radio, print, and you you've done it all. I mean, when you amass a collection like the one that you have, uh, people start to take notice. And we'll get into some of the specifics in a little bit here. Uh, but before we do that, I want to know a little bit about you. I want to know about the person behind the collection, the collector behind the collection, as it were. Um, so apart from your uh, uh, day job, really, which we will get into in, in all of its its facets, because some of it has to do with collecting and some of it doesn't, uh, you're, you're also the president of, of Hockey Man Holdings. Can you explain to us Hockey Man Holdings? Is this something that you always uh, had a part in that started as you were as you became a collector? Or is this something that uh, that you developed along the line? Well, actually, Hockey Man Holdings, when it originally started, really had nothing to do with hockey. Mm, um, good name. <laughs> I, I own some other companies, a house building company, construction company and whatnot. And, it, you know, it got to a point where my lawyer and accountant said, you know, maybe you need to have a hold co to incorporate all of this to create an umbrella. Right. So I came up with the name because everything about me outside of my businesses was about hockey. So I right. said, well, let's go with Hockey Man Holdings. And, you know, so it first was created as that umbrella company. And then it, you know, it just lent itself into my evolution into buying and selling memorabilia and the things I do in this world. Well, this this may interest a lot of people because, you know, it's 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 rare to come across someone who is a professional collector and that's all they do. And that's certainly not all you do. Uh, I mentioned this uh, a little bit earlier, but you you uh, you run a company, you own a company, you're the president of Stratford Homes and Stratford Contracting, uh, which was actually listed in Profit Magazine's top 100 fastest growing companies in Canada. And, you know, obviously, you know, the more successful your company is, the more collectibles you can buy. Do you think there's something that goes hand in hand with running a successful company? Bruce McNall, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. With running running a successful company and also uh, maintaining a successful collection. Is there anything that's shared between those two skills? 
Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it all boils down to, you know, how you represent yourself and how you present yourself in the, the business world or in the collecting world. You know, you, you have to treat people the way you want to be treated, no matter what type of business you're in and what facet of life you're in. And, you know, I've always tried to uphold, you know, the highest levels of integrity and honesty in my dealings in whether I'm building you a house or whether I'm sourcing a, you know, a Gretzky game stick for you. I do my right. best uh, to do the best job for you in the most honest, integral way. And, you know, that's, it's all about that integrity and honesty. What comes easier for you? Sourcing a game used stick or uh, doing some of the the contracting work for Stratford Homes? <laughs> well, I I always say it's all easy now because I've been doing it all so long. So that's fair. But I must say it's it's easier for me to go to the lumber store and buy that kind of lumber than it is to find a Gretzky twig. <laughs> Yeah, fewer and and farther between, more and more valuable. COVID especially, which, you know, we do like to check in with our collectors because collecting, like it or not, changed for better or worse uh, as a result of COVID. Uh, And and one of the reasons, you know, you talked about trying to find quote-unquote lumber, lumber as a result of COVID was also its own issue. That's that's separate that we don't need to get into right now. But lumber is in the hockey sticks and finding these collectibles. They become much more of an asset over the last year or so. How has that changed your perception of collecting in your actual practice of adding to your collection? Well, it's funny because at the beginning when, when COVID first became our reality, I said to people, and I'm documented as saying, the hobby is going to crash. You know, all these people are COVID scared. They're out of work. Uh, they're going to not be able to tie up their money in collectibles. They're going to need to liquidate, yeah. you know, to make the mortgage payments and things right. like that. And I predicted the absolute opposite of what happened. <laughs> right. Nobody could nobody could have predicted you it know, properly. It polar opposite. And, uh, you know, I'm a big card guy, too. So even in, in that part of it, in all, in all facets of collecting. But where that went and what it did to the hobby and to the industry was just so unpredictable by everybody. But people had time um, opposite to what I thought. People seemed to have way more um liquidity and and cash on hand because they weren't taking vacations and they weren't buying clothes for work because they didn't go to work or they were working from home in their underwear. And, you know, it it really, it really went the opposite direction. And um, more and more people um, refound their youth and rediscovered their passions for collecting, you know, that they might not have touched for 20 years. Yeah. And, you know, that whole created a whole new network of traffic out there and, and, people coming and discovering Facebook in their now found spare time. And it really grew the hobby exponentially. Uh, In memorabilia, I saw it strong, but in the card world, I saw it. It was, it's crazy what it did. Oh, see, that's fascinating to me because I had always assumed that an element of the growth was because everyone had a room in their house that was now their home office and they needed some way to decorate it. And what better way than to rediscover their love for sports memorabilia because you can put it on the wall. Cards are a little bit of a different story, but I also love the fact that they are kind of, pandemic proof in a weird way economically they retain their value or if anything increase in value which is which as you mentioned is not something that we predicted but we recognized here as well one of the things i mean just to kind of add on to what uh sean's talking about you know our business and we've had this discussion over the while um what covid did for our industry was i mean it's gone through the roof but it's also allowed us to get a lot closer uh, to our 
to our end user yeah. uh, customers. So, you know, for us, the stores are closed. The people are coming direct to your site. They're talking to you directly. I have more time. So I'm telling them about things that I've never had the time to do. Right. And now that's where our business has gone and it's going to stay there. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been interesting. I remember, you know, always hearing I don't remember what it would have been. It was it was learning about the Great Depression, I believe, and one of the stats, I don't know how true it is or, or how untrue it is, but the two things that would always increase in sales in the course of a recession was lipstick and razors because people needed that that base sense of 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 satisfaction or feeling comfortable and and now that may have been translated to something like collecting where your collection becomes almost a part of you and you get to see it grow and maintain at a time where everything else feels feels relatively stagnant during this time Sean did you notice that you mentioned people discovering Facebook did your groups grow because I mentioned the groups earlier uh, Wayne Gretzky which is a, a group on on Facebook and Wayne Gretzky collecting two different ones Wayne Gretzky collecting having about 4.8 thousand members and Wayne Gretzky having 17,000 that's a lot of people over the course of the the year and a half or so since since COVID first first hit how much growth had you guys seen there yeah, we definitely saw a lot of growth, actually. It was, uh, again, like like we've said, it was kind of exponential compared to the pre-COVID, you know, growth that we had seen. And again, you know, the, the more people you get on board, the more people you get talking back and forth, the more deals are happening, the more interest peaks. And it's just all about this continued growth. Right. And I don't, I don't see it slowing down. I mean, if COVID stopped tomorrow, I think so many new people got in and have become passionate about it, that we're going to continue to see that growth. Uh, you know what, I was. I, I don't want to step on your toes, yeah. Mike, because I know you have a whole list of things that you want to talk about, but what occurs to me, because we're jumping into the number of people that are right. you know, on a site and all that stuff, and my first question is like, how the heck did you get started in this? And I'm sure that's a sure. question you're going to ask. Let's, let's get into that. Like, then. You're, you're in the building business, and obviously you have a passion about Wayne Gretzky. You're, you're living in Fort... Mac or are you have you always lived there for 42 years I came here on my 13th birthday okay so uh, and we know from from our relationship and and how many Fort McMurray people ended up at the Wayne Gretzky fantasy camp right. uh, because it was a lucrative environment for so many and there's not a whole lot of places to spend all that money so they they became great and they're off obviously Alberta so they're Big collectors, uh, big fans of the Oilers, yep. all that stuff kind of married together. They have the, um, they have the money to spend. They've got uh, the the passion about the Oilers and all that. So put it all together. Is that how you came into this? I, I don't think so. Because I mean, maybe, but uh, I, I mean, I started out like a lot of people do in memorabilia, collecting autographs. Right. And back in uh, about 1990, I took up golf. And I subscribed to Golf Digest as part of my newfound love for a sport. And uh, I was reading an article. Um, they did a they interviewed Arnold Palmer's assistant, and you know, great article. And then she came upon this section where she talked about how one day a week she went through all his fan mail, and she laid out all his autograph requests. And he would come in the next day, sign everything, and she would send it back, uh, you know, to the fans. Wow! And I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. So I clipped out the pictures of him that were in the article and mailed them off to the magazine and said, can you please forward this to Arnold Palmer? And three <laughs> months later, I had our autographs from Arnold Palmer back. Wow. In the mail. He was amazing. I did the same thing 
Uh, he what a guy to do stuff. I was going like to say that. that's a, you you published that article and he probably had three times the amount of work for that 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 following issue. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And there, my love for autograph collecting and my passion for that grew, and it, that got crazy. I, I mean, I get, I'm asked about fifty thousand autographs from all kinds of athletes and whatnot through purchasing and in person and mail, and then. One day I was in Edmonton and I had time to kill and I was walking around and I walked into a pawn shop, something I never do. Mm -hmm. And I just stood up talking to the owner and there were hockey sticks on the back wall. And I said, you know, what are the hockey sticks? And he goes, oh, they're NHL game used sticks. And I said, what? He goes, yeah. He says, they're the player sticks. So he handed me over one of Wayne Presley, a cup of coffee player for the Chicago Blackhawks in the 80s. Sure. And, uh, and, uh, I said, so Wayne Presley played with this stick and he goes, yeah. And I said, well, how much is the stick? And he said, 25 bucks. Oh. And I said, I'll take it. <laughs> of course you <laughs> so will. That was my first game worn stick. And then I discovered that there was a whole world for game used. Yes. And, uh, like, you know, Brian alluded to, as you get older and your businesses succeed, your ability to have more disposable income comes with that. Yeah. So as I discovered there was a game used world, my collection was able to grow because I was able to afford more key pieces. And then in 2005, the Oilers auctioned off Rick Alaschuk's collection and did a big foundation auction in conjunction with classic auctions. And they sold a very, very impressive Oilers and Gretzky game used collection. And I bought a couple of pieces and that's what the day I decided when I won those auction items, that was the day I decided I was going to be a Gretzky collector. So I was going to ask specifically, I mean, you, you know, you, 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 you can be a fan of, of a team without it necessarily having to be Wayne Gretzky. I mean, obviously he's, he's, he's a shoe in if, if you're looking at potential candidates for someone around whom you want to base your collection. Was it, was it just that, that you had stepped in with both feet and figured, well, I'm in now I may as well, continue this collection of Gretzky or growing up was was Wayne always your guy was there was there a, a, a specific affinity that you had towards him that at least got you to get those initial items yeah for sure I mean I I moved to Alberta in 1980 and as you know that was it the Oilers first year in the league yeah and I moved from down east um where we only got hockey Saturday nights at 9 30 and as a 12 year old uh, that was my bedtime. So I didn't get to see a lot of <laughs> hockey. And Boston was my team growing up. Sure. But we moved out west and all of a sudden hockey was on seven days a week and it was on at dinner time. The Oilers were new. I was new. I said, well, if I'm going to be in Alberta, I'm going to have, you know, the Alberta, the Alberta guys as my team. So I adopted the Oilers. And I mean, if you were an Oilers fan as a young kid, how could you not, you know, be drawn to Gretzky and what he was doing at the time? Right. And, um, you know, my passion for just him in the game grew so that when the opportunity came to buy a piece of game used memorabilia, it was only natural that I would be, you know, go that route and, and pick him as my guy. He was my favorite player. Now, as, as uh, just to get into your head as, as a little Sean Chalk, as, as a kid watching, watching the Oilers, and all of a sudden you hear about your, your player, your guy, Wayne's getting traded. Uh, did you follow him and continue to watch him in LA or, or at this point were you, were you, uh, kind of pissed off, pissed off and, and, and did you, was there any resentment or were you always, you know, wherever he goes, I'm following? No, I, I mean, my loyalty to the Oilers is true to today. I mean, I'm, I'll always be an Oilers fan, 
but I'll always also be a Gretzky fan. Right. And I, I still continued to follow him. I still read the newspaper every day to check out his highlights. You know, I still, you know, was passionate about what he was doing in the league. I totally respected the impact the change was having in the league and, and yep. to the game. And I, you know, I definitely followed him because I was a fan of his and I was a fan of what he did for the game at the time. So if you're a true hockey fan, right, there are numerous players even today, well, including today, that transcend their local markets. Absolutely. You know, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, uh, Alex Ovechkin. Yep. Um, as a fan of the Leafs, uh, somebody might hate to see Crosby tear them apart on any given day. But on the other hand, you got to respect how great they are. So you're going to follow Gretzky no matter where he is. You're going to follow Crosby and McDavid yeah. and Ovechkin, wherever they are, and be a fan. Yeah, uh, the, the best case, that one, a great story about uh, just diverse uh, Sidney Crosby sitting in the penalty box in New York where the guy was just harassing him. Yeah. Um, but his harassment was so funny that Sidney <laughs> sent him a stick across the ice after the game. This guy had the best one-liner Sidney had ever heard from from a guy that That's was giving him a start. He was talking about, uh, you're the toughest uh, toughest guy, and I forget the exact thing, but you're the toughest guy from Canada other than Celine Dion. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so Sidney autographed a stick after the game. He thought it was so funny, even though he wasn't really reacting too much. He heard everyone, sent the guy a stick. The guy who was giving him a hard time, New York fan, tough guys, right. ended up talking how great Sydney was. He hates him in New York, but he loves That's the Luke. kind of rivalry you love to right. hear about. And that that is kind of at its core what, what hockey is about. And it's why, Sean, you're able to follow Wayne Gretzky from a team like Edmonton to L.A. where he essentially becomes a rival. You know, I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're constantly going to be playing against him for the rest of, of your, your hockey watching career. And it, now I'm interested, though, you know, you start off with this with this collection and you make a decision that you're going to be uh, a collector of Wayne Gretzky product. But at a certain point, that switch has to flip a little bit where you move from being just a collector to an expert. Was that a hair trigger moment for you or did it just happen gradually where you became a voice of, of understanding reason and education when it came to collecting Wayne Gretzky memorabilia? Yeah, it was definitely gradual and it, you know, it continues to grow in that regard. I mean, um, you, the more you expose yourself to anything, you know, the more familiar you are and the more, you know, informed you become about the topic, no matter what it is. Right. So the more, you know, game used pieces I was able to get um, and study, uh, you know, and, and compare to photos and video and whatnot, the more knowledgeable I became. And then the more people would ask me for information and the more I would share and the more people would find out I was willing to share that knowledge. Um, so, you know, it was, it's evolutionary. It's, it's like anything you engulf yourself in. You know that it grows and it continues to grow. Like I said, there's there's so much to learn. I'm, I'm finding out stuff different all the time about his equipment or, you know, you know things like that. Um, and it, you know, it'll. I think it'll always be a growth, well, a growth with, area. With over twenty thousand people on your two sites, uh, and I follow them both um, as much as I can. It's, <laughs> there's so much to do when it comes to uh, Facebook pages and your own business, etc. But one of the things that's very interesting about your site is, uh, in many cases, people will post something and say, uh, of Wayne's, and say, look, this, is, this became accessible to me. What do you guys think about the autograph? Right. 
And I don't think there's anybody out there that's seen more autographs than Sean. And, but it's not just Sean. It's everybody will, will kind of, and generally the consensus is very similar. Like Sean will say, or, or even if he isn't the first to say, somebody will say, oh, that was his 1980 autograph. Right. It's changed slightly right. since then, blah, blah, blah. And there's no 100% guarantee, but there's all sorts of authentication companies, and I take Sean over any of them uh, in terms of expertise with, with Wayne Gretzky's yeah. autograph. Uh, but it's really interesting to see all the comments. And and a lot of times, the guys, I'll look at it, and I've, I've obviously... Uh, seen a lot of Wayne Gretzky autographs comes through this place. We did all the work for WGA back in the day. Yeah. So I've seen his autograph many, many, many times. Uh, but sometimes somebody will point something out about it and I'll go, yeah, you know what? That is yeah. right. So if you're, if you're trying to get a good feel, Sean's uh, even if you want to be a fly on the go. wall, highly suggest joining in. Now, if, uh, I know at least the Wayne Gretzky collecting group on Facebook is a, is a private group. Do you also have to complete an application to join the Wayne Gretzky group as well? Yeah, you just submit a request and we'll approve you. I mean, it's quick. We're, we're pretty on the ball when it comes to uh, to approving it and looking at it. Don't get me wrong. We do look you up and yeah. make sure you belong in the community. But uh yeah, it's quick. It's just yeah. Quick- we we talked to Matt Allenberger as well, uh, who I mentioned. He he runs the the Facebook groups for uh, Sidney Crosby and Wayne Gretzky collectors. A similar similar group to the Wayne Gretzky one. And he mentioned about uh, you know how important it is to have a group that is more saturated with passionate people as opposed to just trying to drive the numbers up for no good reason. It means that the interactions that you're going to get in a community like that are a lot more genuine, a lot more sincere, uh, and a lot more impactful. I I think that if you're looking to get into the world of collecting, whether it's Wayne Gretzky or whether it's just collecting game used product or anything, and you want to get a sense for how this discourse goes, I highly recommend looking them up. I mean, they're going to be the first groups that you look up on Facebook, Wayne Gretzky and Wayne Gretzky collecting once again, uh, Definitely go check that out and uh, even just be a fly on the wall for a little bit. A very uh, open community, willing to answer questions, and you can kind of see that that discourse that and happens. To see what Sean's saying is that there are questions up front just to answer them quickly to make sure you're right, at, you, you belong in the community yeah. because you know a little bit about it. Or even if you don't, look it up. What they're trying to avoid is, is or to make sure happens, is there is a respectful community. Right. And sometimes you get, as as the internet will produce, um, people that are just like out there to make smart ass answers and insult right. people, and and that's not what you want in a community like For that. Sure. And that's why his is growing as well as it is. Absolutely. Now, yeah, Sean. We, oh, sorry. No, go, go. No, I was going to say, like you said, we're we're a very very tight group. We're all about helping each other and sharing knowledge, but in the same token, we have absolutely zero tolerance mm-hmm. for disrespect. Uh, you know, and things that just don't belong in this community. And, and you know, you can you can get deleted a lot faster than you can get added to our group. <laughs> it's all about respect and being in the, you know, in the group for the right reasons. I love that. I love that. And now, Sean, I mentioned uh, that you are often referred to as the as the the Wayne Gretzky of Wayne Gretzky collecting, which is a great nomaker. I love that. that that's a fantastic. And I wonder, because when you put someone like that on a, a pedestal of saying the Gretzky of Gretzky collectors, there is sort of an implication that it's a little bit competitive. First question is how much pride do you take on being the guy for Wayne Gretzky collection? Uh, is that is that is that a status that you want to fight to protect, uh, or is it just something that comes with the territory? Um, it's I mean it, it's 
means a lot. I mean, it truly does. I take a, I take a lot of pride in the fact that people come to me for the information and value my my judgment and my position in the in the collecting community. Um, Caring to protect it? No, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm, I'm staying in the game and staying in the hobby. And as long as people want information that I have, I'll be more than happy to share it. But what people don't know or probably understand is that I have my own network of primarily Alberta-based Gretzky collectors that are very big and maybe not near as public as I am. But I'll tell you what, um, a lot of the a lot of the knowledge I have I wouldn't have without without them, and I, I won't name them. So, you know, I don't think that's fair to do. Um, but there are a few key people here that are just invaluable when it comes to to knowing the history, the knowledge, the you know, the stats, the you know, everything. And and I rely on them a great deal too. So I'm not going to lie. There's lots of times I'll share information that I had to do my own homework on to get mm. the answer. It's 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 not all in here, of course. But once it's in there, it just increases the amount of knowledge, right? It increases the ability to go back to you for those questions. John, I wanted to get your thoughts on something because uh, I know Wayne pretty well. I I know you've met him a number of times, and and I'm I'm sure you know. Uh, and I don't know what your personal relationship is, but one thing that I think is apparent to me and most people that know Wayne is. He was at the forefront of understanding memorabilia from day one. So recently, we helped Wayne gather up all this stuff from his restaurant, which I think you have some pieces of that too, right? Yeah. Um, but I was blown away by some of the stuff there. And just, just to as, clarify, actually, before you go on, for, for the listener, what you mean by that is Wayne Gretzky's restaurant in Toronto, which had essentially become the Hall of Fame for Wayne Gretzky memorabilia, right. closed down, and uh, Frameworth stepped into. So when they closed down, and, Wayne asked for our assistance to help right, gather it right. all up. Just to provide some context. Wherever yeah. he stored it. But the bottom line for that was, as I was doing it, I started to understand that he understood what his stuff was worth right from day one, because going into his whatever milestones that he was accumulating, like 802 goal, he started collecting 790, 791, 792, all labeling them. So he has all those sticks or had most of them at one time. And so to get, you know, 50 and 39 or whatever it was, those sticks are still with him because he thought from day one to collect them. Even his last game, I think he wore something like 20 jerseys, so he had enough to give to all his friends So as a game-worn jersey or right. family, uh, which makes it a little trickier to, and when you get something that is a special goal or whatever, makes it that much more valuable. But what are your take on Wayne and, and his understanding of the industry before we even understood it? Question. Yeah, well, you know... I think he would have had to have been pretty blind not to, you know, self-recognize what he was doing statistically and, and to what would become his place in the history of the game and, and whatnot and records. And, you know, his dad was kind of a, a, a hoarder of his stuff, too. You know, he, I think that's key. Yeah. Yeah. His, that was a big part of, of having some of those things because. You know, Wayne was very generous throughout his career in giving people sticks and giving, you know, and, and things right. like that. And well, the Oilers, you know, controlled the jerseys more or not, but Wayne still gave a lot of those away too. But you know, it, it's part of the, their ability to keep and track. A lot of that was in in thanks to Walter and his his wanting to hang on. 
And I think it just became habitual that when there were records approaching or records happening that he knew he should keep that stuff and send it back home with his dad who would, you know, keep it all safe in the basement kind of thing. And so when the eventuality of the restaurant and things happened, they had that, you know, that, that cache of stuff to draw on. But I, I definitely think he, you know, he recognized the importance of preser- preservation of those key pieces. For well, sure. those are key pieces. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about Walter, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, we're talking about things, that, records that he was approaching that he collected. But Wayne had his first uh, Indianapolis jersey, his first Edmonton WHA jersey. He kept everything from the beginning. Yeah. And I don't think it was Wayne as much as his dad. You're right. So before he... He hit those milestones. He was collecting his stuff, which is blows me away. The stuff that he well, it's great. Like. It's great for the history of the game. I yes. mean, it's it's so interesting to hear you talk, Sean, about about you know trying to refer to things and do your own research and 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 understand questions that no one seems to know the answer to. It's as though you've become not just a collector but a, a, a an historian in in some way. And and I guess they're kind of part and parcel. But it definitely helps. I would assume the fact that Wayne had been keeping his own stuff with that understanding that eventually it was going to mean a lot to the game. Uh, and yeah. it does it does add that much more uh, uh, context to the way that he was raised as, as a player and to what he had gone through, especially with the, the turnover with the WHA. Like that that back and forth was was fascinating. We had Joe Badali on a few weeks ago, Wayne's Gus first Vidali. stage. Or, Joe Badali, sorry, Gus Badali, yeah. Uh, back a couple weeks ago. And uh, and he had told all the stories about, you know, first entering into the, the WHA into contracts and getting some players who weren't getting proper contracts in the NHL over there. And and similar similar to that, there's there's like a piece of, of history physically that you can associate with with those moments uh, yeah. because they've all thought to, to hang on to them. Um, I do I do have one question, though, before we, we move on to the next topic, because you mentioned that when you first got into Wayne Gretzky collecting, it was because there was a an estate being sold or a lot being sold uh, on on classic auctions. Now, you are also an acquisitions associate for classic auctions, and I was curious to know what that means and how you got involved with that. Well, the owner of the company, Mark Jeteau in Montreal, has been a friend of mine for about 30 years. I mean, we met back when I first started collecting autographs in, in 1990 um, at a show in Toronto. And our friendship grew and, you know, I became a customer of his as well. And, um, you know, as as my collection grew, I mean, I, I bought a lot of my stuff through his auction house. Right. Our friendship evolved. And we, you know, kind of, I had a, I guess, an influential place in in the hobby. I could help him in his business and and whatnot. So we kind of partnered up so that I could be out there, you know, a little bit of a a face for his company and and help him with the growth of bringing in some items. And primarily to one of the big reasons we, we created the relationship was to help grow the card side of the business because Mark is definitely are you know the leader when it comes to auctioning off game worn hockey memorabilia right, right. He, he really is on top of that market a lot of the estates have entrusted the, the, the collections with him and yep. players and whatnot um and the market for other sports in his demographic is really growing but the card piece especially in the last couple of years has really taken off and he's seen that grow um, so he kind of brought me in um, to use my reach and my and my voice to help grow that market. 
And it, you know, it's worked out very, very well. I have nothing but respect for Mark. He's treated me like gold since the day I met him. And, uh, you know, I value him and his relationship. And I, I think his company is doing a remarkable job and I wanted to be affiliated with him. What is one of the pieces that you were most excited to bring to Mark? You mentioned that you may be out there kind of meeting some collectors and recommending that they, they bring their products or estates onto his platform of classic auctions, uh, which if you're out there listening, uh, highly recommend checking that out. There's some fascinating items there and a history of a lot of the items that have sold, which still exists that you can browse through. Is there a specific item that comes to mind, something that, that you found most fascinating to bring over to classic auctions? Well, one pretty significant lot I brought him was a lot of 105 graded Gretzky rookie cards. Wow. Uh, so we, we auctioned those off, I think, over five auctions. But that was a pretty significant card find. I, I, I would imagine that it is. Did you did you keep any of those for yourselves? Did you did you bid on any of them when, when they went uh, live? Oh, Sean doesn't have any Gretzky rookie No, cards. I would imagine, yeah. I yeah. have my own cash. <laughs> <laughs> Your cash that will make you a lot of cash one day, should you ever choose to sell it. Um, yeah. I'm looking at at your background there, and you know, you, uh, if you if you're watching over at YouTube, uh, or if you're not watching over at YouTube, you should go check us out. Uh, just YouTube, search the Sign Off Podcast. You have a ton of memorabilia out in the background. It's a great looking setup, not unlike Matt Ellenberger when he was on as well. It turns out collectors have some pretty decent looking fan caves uh, in front of which to do a podcast. Are there any pieces that that you're that you have hanging up there that kind of uh, strike a chord with you? Things that that you're maybe not even the most valuable piece necessarily, but something that you most proudly display to people when they come over. Well, it's funny because it's probably the the question I get asked the most is, "What's my favorite piece?" Or if the house was burning, which piece would I grab? Ah. And it's never what people expect. Okay. The first of all, the piece I would grab is my photo album. Uh, of all my interactions and, and experiences and, you know, the pictures I took before digital media was a thing and they were right. all taken on my iPhone. The number one thing I would grab is my photo album, which contains a lot of the pictures from the camp I attended. And I think the second thing I would grab is my Gretzky camp ring. Mm, that's the yeah, Wayne Gretzky yeah, fantasy really. camp that that's come fantasy. up. On were you on that before. winning team? What year was that? Uh, it was 05 or 06, Camp 4. Camp 4. I was just looking at some of those things. That's where we first met. Um, yep. And and the amazing thing, how great that camp was, and, and we were talking about a future show that we're just going to do on the Gretzky camp because I think uh, people would be interested in just how that went and the experiences that you you had during the camp and the friendships. I mean, we first met there. We've been friends ever since. Yeah. Uh, and, and Mel Woolsey and, and uh, Fraser Neek and a bunch of guys that you may or may not know from the early days. Know them all. Um, well, that camp was where in Phoenix? Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. So that was probably one of the last ones that wasn't seen. in Vegas. Cause there were a few no, that then that they moved to Vegas one in LA, but anyways, that, and so your experience at that camp, those are like, did you win? You won that year. We didn't. No, no. We so, didn't. oh, you. But we got. How did you get a ring? What? Did, I can't remember. Did we get back then? Ring? You could buy them just for attending. Oh, mm. right, right. Now, uh, if if the listeners, I mean, if for any new listeners, you may not be aware of this. We've talked about the Wayne Gretzky Fantasy Camp on on several podcasts. Jim Jerome was on. We talked with Brad Jansen as well. If you're looking for a little bit more in depth analysis of what happened in in the in the fantasy camps, but essentially. 
a limited number of people are allowed to go take part in these fantasy camps in which Wayne Gretzky, among several other very high-profile players, are distributed among teams that get to play hockey once or twice a day in, in different games in a tournament that lasts over the course of three or four days. Uh, while the hockey is important and everything, it's also just as important that the players and the attendees kind of commune together over the course of the days in, in breakfast, lunch, and dinner in some various events that take place over the hotel that everyone's staying in. Um, do you remember, Sean, the players that would have played in, in year four, some of, some of the players that, that you would have been playing with? Uh, the Paul Coffey was there. He was on my team for the whole tournament. Uh, both Cortinals were there. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the one uh, Phil Esposito was in? So, no, no, no. So that was another one. There were 10, ten NHLers there, former NHLers. I yeah. Guess, at the time. I think Cap Reader was one of the coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Caps there all, every there. year. It's yeah. it just just a phenomenal event and a ton of stories uh, to to go into there and and uh, uh, one I, I want to get in one story with you actually about a I wasn't sure if you were going to bring this up when I was asking about some of the, your favorite pieces in your collection um, because it's one thing and Dad you're going to have to follow me on this because I'm not sure if you're if you're aware of this this very special piece that Sean has it's one thing to put an image of Wayne Gretzky up on your wall right a <laughs> signed image aware. are you aware of this yeah. It's another thing entirely uh, to put an image of Wayne Gretzky somewhere more significant like your shoulder. Um, (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about your unique piece of Wayne Gretzky memorabilia that no one else could possibly have because it's a one-off? Yeah, unfortunately, I wore a sweater today, so I can't show you. You can Google (laughs) it, though. We'll we'll post uh, a picture of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I... um, yeah, I have a, a very unique, very amazing tattoo that um, goes from literally the top of my shoulder down to my elbow. And uh, it's an amazing early 80s photograph of Gretzky. Uh, it was done by a, ga- a guy named Steve Butcher, who's rated one of the top five portrait artists in the world. And I actually paid him to come from New Zealand to do the work. We met in Toronto and we did the work over two days. It was intense. I uh, bet. It was 14 straight hours of, of tattoo gun. Um, and I literally got out of the tattoo chair, got into the car that was waiting for me outside and right to the airport and back to Alberta. So it was like I flew into Toronto. Wow. Two days under the gun and then right back on the airplane. Do you know, I have, so you asked whether I knew about it. So this is a funny story. I'm, uh, I'm at a luncheon with Wayne for TD Bank. And they had all their big uh, bank clients there. And Wayne would go and Frameworth went down and took a photo of everybody with Wayne. And then we framed it up while they were eating lunch and they all walked away with it, which was a huge, for for CEOs of the, some right. of the biggest firms right. around, you should have seen their faces when they got this photo already framed, ready to hang on the wall. But while we were doing this, I was talking to Wayne and I don't know how, whether you had sent me the photo of the tattoo or where they were talking and you sent it. And I said, Wayne, you got to see this because the tattoo is amazing. Like it's it's high realism on an arm. Yeah. That's incredible how well it came out. So I showed Wayne and he, he he was just like beside himself. He said, who would want to put my picture on their arm? (laughs) 
he started laughing. He said, "Send me that." I don't know what it, what he did with it, but he said, "Send me the photo. I got to show somebody this." Well, I love you. You've been interviewed about this, Sean. Obviously, I mean, the the image was shared on uh, on on Instagram by uh, Steve Butcher's Instagram page, and immediately just made the rounds. I, at at first glance, when I checked, it had forty three thousand likes on the image, and it could be exponentially higher than that because that was from an image taken in an, uh, an interview that you had given. And I love the unapologetic nature of it. You know, you are just a fan. You always have been of this player. And I think there is this this curiosity from a lot of people who aren't as into tattoos or as into collecting or as into sports who might not understand why someone would do this. Um, did you expect the attention that you got as a result of, of having the tattoo? Because it wasn't you necessarily that shared the image even. It was Steve Butcher, who I'm assuming had your permission. But when you walked out 14 hours later into that cab, were you thinking eventually Wayne Gretzky is going to know about this? You know, I knew it would get out there. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's hard not to. The tattoo shop would have wanted to publicize it. and He publicizes all his work. And yeah, it grew. It got picked up by everybody. And I was interviewed, you know, multiple times about it. Um, but I think Bar Down or one of the Instagram groups, I think there was like a million views in a day on the video of it. <laughs> That's it amazing. Insane. Yeah. So, you know, and some people are like Brian said earlier, there's always those few people that are just very opinionated in a negative way. A hundred percent to say, but yeah, for the most part, people were pretty, pretty amazed by the work. I, I love it. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that we had the chance to bring that up because that was a, a fascination I had. I saw the, I couldn't believe, and this is not just me saying this. I couldn't believe how good the image looked. Uh, yeah. Steve Butcher, kudos to him uh, because yeah. uh, the, the the talent in making that look well, like. Well, if a, you're going to do something like that, it better be good. Because if but if you've ever seen up, the internet, it is not always good. A lot of no. people get portraits done, and they are not always nearly as good as that. No, so I've you, seen some pretty brutal ones. This one's amazing. So well, many people called it fake. They said, "There's no way that's real." Yeah. That's yeah, I, would, I, I, I I could believe that honestly yeah, um, yeah. I, okay so a, a similar question because we're getting towards the tail end of this but I, I have a question that I want to ask you and it's a similar question to what we asked Matt Ellenberger and the reason I, I bring him up so often on this podcast is because he he is in a similar position to you for the Sidney Crosby and the and the Mario Lemieux groups on Facebook um, do you have a preference? into as to how you collect you know is more better is less better is it just get me one of everything is there any specific pattern to your collecting or any any rules that you set in place for yourself yeah and one of the things i've learned with collecting over the years right back from when i collected autographs and just wanted whatever i could get right was to pick a path and stick with it Mm -hmm. because it can grow a lot of ugly heads you know you just you end up spending so much time and money chasing everything that you really don't have a focus and you really don't have something that's cohesive and together. So, you know, I always tried once, once I got into Gretzky game worn, that's really where I tried to limit myself because you get offered everything along the way, especially the more public you are about your collection. And I always tried to be very public because I wanted people to come to me. I wanted people to come to me to, to sell their stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I very consciously never turned down an interview, never turned down an opportunity to be in the newspaper for that reason. And it paid off in spades. Do you find, because, you know, I, I know of a few collectors who have as, you know, a, a similar public persona. And I think about someone like Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan. Right. 
do you do you do you know of these people? Are they on your radar in in a in a competitive way, or is it like camaraderie? Is it is it I want to you know I want not not in like a negative a like I want to be more, but that, but yeah. do you ever think like okay, all right, Mike, I see what you just did there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go get a tattoo on my shoulder. Like I'm gonna go buy the next thing here and there. Like is there is there any element to that, or you're just happy to see people no. getting the recognition for being as big of fans as they are? Hundred percent. It's total respect for everybody that does their thing. You know, I want everybody to succeed, no matter what they're doing, whether it's in construction or, or in memorabilia. There's room enough for everybody, and there's room enough for everybody to be on top of their game. So you got to respect what people do, as long as they're, again, doing it with integrity and honesty, and you know they're they're being, you know, civil about how they approach it. You have to respect people's successes. Well, I think Mike, uh, who's also a good friend of mine, and we helped uh, organize his basement when he was putting all the cabinets yeah. in. One of our yeah. former employees who moved to the Hockey Hall of Fame, um, he was asking about cabinets and things. So I put him in touch with uh, with that guy. I'm trying to think of his name, but anyway, uh, he went in Mike's basement and, and laid out all the cabinets as he would have for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, wow! With all of his, uh, you know, and Mike had a much more diverse collection. I'm assuming than yours based on what you just said, which is score sheets. He went down to the uh, Maple Leaf Gardens and bought up a lot of the stuff that was in file cabinets. And uh, I think he had Bill Barocco's first um, co- uh, contract. Oh, wow. Uh, so Mike and Mike did some different things. He had stick cabinets built like the one at Wayne Gretzky's restaurant. And then he, he had a door that he had everybody sign right from, from the locker room or wherever yeah. it was. So he had a kind of a, a unique perspective on it um, with me. And, and part of being a hoarder to some degree came in very handy because as I go through my collection of things that I kept for some reason, well, I know the reason as I thought they were cool is everything that we ever produced for WGA, which was Wayne's memorabilia right. company. Yeah. I kept one, two, three of, I just tracked down five of the pond pieces with Mario Wayne and Gordy, Gordy from that commercial that they did autographed, which I never knew I had. I just started digging through my stuff. Huh. So you might see one of those on your site one day. I don't, <laughs> you knows? have to advise me on what it's worth. Cause I don't keep track of those things. <laughs> Big piece. It's a big piece, big yeah. piece. Um, so as I mentioned, we are running a little bit short on time, but Sean, before we started recording, you mentioned that there's a project that you're currently working on, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, as, as I'm sure would our listener. Yeah, I decided about a year ago that I should uh, document kind of the path I've had, you know, collecting, and I am going to write a book. Uh, I've already got it started. Uh, I kind of got the, the notion to do it, actually, because of an author reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, I'm interested in writing a book about you, you're collecting. Hmm. So that's what kind of got me started down that path. But, um, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, what a great idea selfishly, if for nothing else to document the journey I had for my kids so that they could see just what this, this 30 years of collecting and chasing Wayne has been all about for me and why I did it and, and the fun I had doing it and the experiences, but also to, to journalize and talk about his equipment for the people who are going to collect, uh, you know, how to find the fake stuff, what to look for when authenticating, how not to get taken, you know, things like that. There's, there's, I think there's a story to tell, 
uh, besides the amazing experiences I had, which are, are just going to create chapters in the book, um, just the part of the book that talks about his memorabilia is going to be valuable for people too who want to, you know, to learn about that. As right. as we mentioned earlier, shifting from a collector to a, an historian of some sort, and the more you put pen to paper and, and kind of uh, document those things, if if not you, then who? I mean, you you know as as well as anyone else who's involved in collecting these things. Uh, so it, it makes sense to to have you do that, and and it's one of the reasons we we definitely wanted to have you on because there are very few people who a know more about the the uh, the the stash of, of Wayne Gretzky's memorabilia who can recognize his autograph based on the decade uh, and, and the era of his career, but also who's so in tune with the collecting community, especially pertaining to to Wayne Gretzky. And it's that community actually that we have a, a an announcement for. And this is this is sort of a way to drive attention over to to your groups as well, uh, but also to uh, to to bring some attention over to the sign off as well. If you're listening to this for the first time, not sure if it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, whatever it is, uh, we want to offer uh, to your your groups that you have a, a giveaway. Is that we're going to be giving away a Wayne Gretzky jersey, and it's a rare jersey. It's from Brian Aaronworth's private collection, which even adds to the value. You know, it's one thing to have a signature from Wayne, but oof, to have a piece of <laughs> Brian Aaronworth's private collection. I may sign the uh, certificate of authenticity, <laughs> but that's what I mean. <laughs> uh, So keep an eye out. Uh, we're going to be working with Sean to share this, not only on Frameworth social media and our email blasts on uh, Frameworth's insiders, uh, but Sean will also be sharing it on the groups. Essentially, all you'll need to do is subscribe on iTunes, rate and review on iTunes. You take a screenshot of that and tweet it to at Frameworth Sport on Twitter with the hashtag sign off pod. Uh, we will have all the details and links and, and information about that. So go check out Wayne Gretzky on, on Facebook and Wayne Gretzky Collecting on Facebook. Ask to be a member. You'll have that quick screening process and you won't regret it. Uh, absolutely so not. I can't even say if you know the owner of the company, you're not eligible because most of the people, not most of the people, not out of 20,000 people, but <laughs> there are so many people that follow him uh, and and the, Sean and his Facebook groups uh, that are friends of mine, customers of mine. So everybody will be eligible. All you have to do is just... Uh, 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 subscribe take part Great and uh, and we appreciate all the new listeners and Sean obviously a lot of people are going to be tuning in just based on the fact that it's the Gretzky of Gretzky collectors joining us on the podcast before we go Sean anything left uh, to say anything you want to get people to check out no you know what I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys today I, I just I love talking about the sport I love talking about the hobby and the business part of the hobby it's just you know it never ends I, I could do this all day every day. So I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you guys. It's been an absolute ton of fun and I hope we can do it again someday. I, I think we will. And I think we're, what we're missing now, cause we just don't have enough time on any given show. Right. But what I'd like to do is dig down deeper into more specifics Absolutely. about the sticks that Wayne used over his career about, you know, you know, he went from Titan to the, in the helmets and the, uh, you know, all of that stuff that's really interesting stuff, and I think uh, sometime in the near future we'll get Sean back on and just talk more about the specific items that you're looking out for and the, and how Wayne evolved with his equipment and his yeah. jerseys and all that. The first episode's about the collector, that being you, Sean, and the second episode will be about the collection and in and, and, and all its glory. I think uh, that would be a great show. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Once again, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Sean Chalk, you can find him, Wayne Gretzky Collecting or Wayne Gretzky. Those are groups on Facebook. Small screening process, but you won't regret it, I promise. We have Brian Aaronworth, the president of Frameworth Sports Marketing, and myself, Mikey Aaronworth. This has been the Sign Off Podcast, and this is us signing off. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at, at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadu Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!